Hello. We've been expecting you. I'd like to welcome you to Thoughts from Atwu, the Avatar podcast where we know the future. Today, we will be discussing Book 1, Episode 16, The Deserter. Today on our panel, we have Lindsay. Hi. Charles. Hello. Corey. Hi. And I am Mark. We also have a very special guest today. I'd like to introduce Yoon. I have no idea where I am. The chloroform after effects will wear off eventually. Don't, don't worry it, about it. it. Okay. It's, it's just a precaution to make sure you believe the same things that I believe. No residual effects? Yes. All right. None all right. that can be proven. So... <laughs> With all of our guests, we're going to start off as usual. I'd like to ask you, Yoon, um, about your opinion of the show, like where, you know, when you watched it, et cetera, et cetera. So how do you feel about Avatar as a show? Um, I personally love the Avatar, uh, the show, not the movie. Um, it never happened. Never happened. Don't it never happened. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm from the alternative universe, I guess. Um, it was definitely something that I was very um, committed to. I you know, got really upset when I did miss couple episodes and um years later i had the full series on my computer so then i watched it from beginning to the end kind of marathoned it in like three or four days so i love it yeah cool yeah so we will get started um our initial thoughts um why don't you kick things off uh cory give us your initial thoughts on this episode i love this episode so much like from the start to the finish like it's like one of those I, I love the Fire Nation and their culture, and I really like the festival. It, I got really, like, Chinesey vibes going from it. Um, and it started off, like, you know, funny, and then it went serious, and I, I think this is one of those, like, quintessential season one um, episodes. I, I just, I love this episode so much. This is going to be a tough week. You and I are going to agree on a lot of things, I can oh, tell. Oh, yeah. I don't. I don't like. I don't like that. I don't like where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Linz. Initial thoughts. I really like this episode. It kind of like what Corey mentioned. It has the um, the cultural element of the festival, which I definitely always appreciated. Again, showing because again, like, as we've mentioned before in so many other episodes, it's always like ah, Fire Nation, war, death, and everything. And to see like a more almost like family friendly type of atmosphere of the fire nation like with a festival was really entertaining especially having though that darker aspect of um the fire nation like with Sokka's joke saying oh yeah crowd probably an execution and i was like oh shit but um it's just a really good episode and it definitely lets you see more about just how far ang does have to go because clearly He's he's not like we already know he's not ready. But then this episode even emphasizes like him really like starting to realize like I have to get my shit together because I I don't know what the fuck I'm doing and I'm doing this all wrong. <laughs> Wait, Ang has to get it. Ang doesn't have his shit together yet. I I, I don't know what you're what? talking. What? <laughs> <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> all right, Charles, go ahead. Um. I'm gonna mirror all the comments everyone else said just now. I mean, no, like the the festival scenes are great. Um, I the I really do agree with Corey. You get a sense of like Chinese culture from it, um, and the stuff with how uh, with Zhang Zhang about how it's like almost childish nature is actually making him inappropriate for 
the fire bending Zheng Zheng wants to teach or the restraint Zheng Zheng wants to teach. Mm-hmm. Um, really, yeah, really emphasizes that. Oh shit, I I'm not ready. I need to get ready and you know finish this in a year. I'd also um, I mean we'll talk about this later in the episode, but I I do like that he kept his vow until almost the very end of the show. That was uh, that was nice. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about that. All right, Yoon, your initial thoughts on this episode. Um, my initial thoughts of this episode is I <clears throat> personally like. <coughs> excuse me. I personally like episodes a lot where the character gets more development. Like, for example, I guess in this episode is a good example where it starts off um, being really festive. You know, it's really easygoing. No, like, um, hard like scary feeling about wars or anything um and then we see ang as initially as um Lindsay has mentioned it doesn't have his <laughs> shit together <laughs> but you know by the um as the episode goes on he he knows that he needs to get his shit together and um by the end he um i believe becomes a better person he learns something that's what I like about this episode. The fact that by the end of the episode, he has he has learned um, something. He has learned a lesson. He has become a better character. And that's what I think li- I liked about the episode the most. Mm-hmm. And Zhang Zhang's awesome. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, Zhang Zhang. Yes. I, I genuinely agree with everything that people have said. I Personally, this is one of my favorite episodes. Um... I'm a little bit less curious or, or less sure about it being one of the best. Um, and it's one of those interesting things where you have to sort of break your own personal enjoyment from how good is it critically. Uh, not that it's you know any, anything short of really good critically as well. Um, but I do think that there are – rewatching it and being as critical as I kind of have to be for the podcast, there were little things that we'll talk about that I never really thought about before. Um, and we'll get into those. Um, but overall, yeah, I definitely agree. I think this episode does a great job with Fire Nation culture. Um, there's a lot of small details in there that are really nice um, and bring some head. And I think it's just a good mix of the right amount of comedy, the right amount of serious stuff, the right amount of um, and then really heavy um, plot points that are eventually going to you know, be a, a major drive of Aang's character. Uh, as a whole, uh, I think that episode does a really good job with Zhang Zhang, a really good job with Zhao. Um, so yeah, definitely a great episode. Uh, one thing I want to talk about at the top that's interesting, and I, I agree with you guys about seeing the Chinese influences in the Fire Nation, but if from what I understand of the show, the Fire Nation is supposed to be based on Japan, and the mm-hmm. Earth Kingdom is supposed to be based on China. Um, yeah. And there are moments where I can definitely see it, uh, mm-hmm. especially when you get into the homeland. It feels a lot more Japanese. Do you think that that's a, a function of, like, we're in the, in, like, kind of, because we are technically in the Earth Kingdom and we're kind of in, you know, more of a colonial area? Or do you think mm-hmm. that it's just, well, we'll blend Eastern cultures and, you know, no one will really notice? I think, I kind go on. Um, just because you mentioned about the, um, the, the uh, Japanese influence, especially on the, on the uh, Fire Nation side, and because I was in Japan for like a lot of different types of festivals so I definitely got vibes of that type of um, effect even with the mask design and everything and the food stalls like that's very quintessential Japanese festival but I also Mm -hmm. understood that some uh, of the Chinese influences in some of it especially with the dragon 
So Mm -hmm. I definitely have to agree with your first statement of almost like the combination of the two different cultures combining together because of the idea of almost like the imperialism and the um, assimilation of the different cultures in that area. Mm -hmm. Corey, anything you get something to say? I think think, um, the visuals of that type of festival just work for the Fire Nation. I think you're right. They're mostly supposed to be Japanese. But I, I think the reason we saw the festival be more of a, a Chinese thing is because this just fits so much more than anything you could have done on the other side with just the Fire Nation and dragons and red and mass and fire. So I think everything just is just perfect for a Fire Nation festival if you're just going to take some of its Chinese roots out of it. All right. Uh, I'm going to say this without being racist. Do either of the two Asians want to say anything <laughs> on this topic? Um, well, let's see. When I... Um, well, throughout the series, as I was watching Avatar The Last Airbender, um, I've never quite put any nation under, like, a specific country or, like, a culture. Mm-hmm. I just thought they were very, like, a mesh of... Especially between the Earth Kingdom and the Fire Kingdom. It was, like, a just a mesh of different like East Asian cultures that were put together um, I think the animators did that on purpose I'm not sure it's just my opinion that the animators mm-hmm. did that on purpose to kind of like give it like a fluid like um, background I guess so mm-hmm. that um, more people would find um, features to relate with from certain mm-hmm. nation so yeah, I I, um, I personally never thought that it was strictly Chinese or strictly Japanese. Um, it was just like a good mesh. Like sure, there were dividing lines, you know, with practices and they have and and festivals and culture, but it was just too mesh to be like definite Chinese or definite Japanese. Is what I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all I would say is is the creators are on record saying that Earth Kingdom is shine is 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 based on China. Fire Nation is based on Japan. The Air Nomads are based on Buddhist monks, mm-hmm. and the uh, Water Tribes are the Inuit peoples. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, definitely get that. It's like, all um, obviously loose, but it. it yeah. I, I just want to make mention that it is. There is evidence from the creators that this mm-hmm. that there is something to it. Yeah, you I you think. mostly just get that type of vibe, like the the stylistic, like um like the whole design of each culture, like especially later on when you go to Ba Sing Se. Like, you definitely see um, more Chinese elements, especially when Katara and Toph, like, dress up. Those outfits that they're put in, like, are traditional, like, Chinese appearance. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I could agree with that, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, um, well, for me, a lot of the Asian, um, not Asian, uh, the Earth Kingdom city mm-hmm. names sound very, like, you know, Chinese, like, Omashu or Ba Sing Se, uh, especially. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I personally don't remember any names of the Fire Nation cities, so I can't give you any. Do they ever tell us any of the Fire Nation cities? I don't. Cities? To be honest, I don't remember any. If they did, no. I'm sure there's something. There's got to be something, but I right. I don't know off the top of my head. Because one of the major side characters, Zuko, and you know Uncle Iroh are from a Fire Nation city, so they must have mentioned it somewhere. It's just, I guess they're from the capital, though, and I think they just refer to it as the capital. Ah, okay. So yeah, that's what I think. 
Fair enough. Where about the uh, the other Asian in the chat room? <laughs> Charles, um, anything to add? I feel as though um, they... Yeah, the the building and the festivals are one thing, and obviously we see the influence. Um, to me, it's always been kind of mixed. And in real life, that's actually also the case. Mm-hmm. It's not like we... You know, uh, the Eastern Asians celebrate completely different holidays all the time. A lot of them overlap because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they're based on lunar cycles, and that just is what it is. Which the Fire but... Nation is not, just to note. This, this is true. <laughs> um, well, the Fire Nation but... are special snowflakes. <laughs> no, fire, sun. <laughs> well, no, they 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 uh, they tried to kill the Sun Warriors and. The dragons that they worshipped, so you know maybe they are wound, yeah. wound worshippers. Yeah, but then, see? but then Zhao, so no. Yeah. No, see, see, he he just didn't have restraint. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he he couldn't. Right. He 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 got told by everybody <coughs> not to do something, and he was like, "I have to do it." I'm gonna do uh, it I anyway because I'm Zhao. But I'm the I want to. I have to yeah. capture the avatar. <laughs> Yeah, Zhao is like... Um, but, back to the... but I want to beat a 13-year-old kid. <laughs> Pretty much. Zhao is kind of like a like a, a cat, like a, a, a disobedient cat. You tell him not to do it, and like you look him in the eye and be like, don't do it, don't do it, but he does it. And he like pushes the plates off the table. Yeah. Yeah. He is. He is who he is. But we will get into Zhao um, later in this episode as he appears in this episode. Um oh. Yeah, so so we get the the opening of this episode. Um, I like the like little bit of mystery with the guy that's kind of tracking them, and I think mm-hmm. it kind of helps out because it would have been a little weird if this guy just randomly showed up and was like, "Hey, follow me!" When like you saw that he was actually following them and knew what they were doing. Um, I also I really like when they have the poster of Ang that they also have a, a poster of the Blue Spirit. It kind of ties some of what's been happening together nicely that you can see that this is mm-hmm. also something that they're thinking about um, and and it, it brings in. Um, the one part of this that I think is interesting, uh, potentially negative, is the close-up on Zhang Zhang. Um, when I first saw it, and I mean first as in when watching it this time, I thought it was a little bit too overt, a little bit too like, well, obviously we're going to meet this guy. Like it's a little I felt like a little bit off-put by it. But then later I changed my opinion a lot because when you saw uh, Zhang Zhang's appearance mm-hmm. now, it was like a really like, it, yeah. like you got that really great transition from like prim and or, or proper general to guy who's kind of embraced savagery, and I think that's like that was I thought was really cool. So, it's kind of an interesting trade-off here where I thought it was a little bit too overt, but it also served a purpose. So, mm-hmm. um I think it, it it works out. It just it just interesting to see uh, that part of it. Mm-hmm, yes, definitely, definitely. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we get to the festival, and we kind of talked a lot about the the Fire Nation culture in the beginning. Uh, so I don't want to harp too much on it. Um, but the one thing I will say is I do I really like. And I think Corey mentioned this in his initial thoughts when we get to see bits of the different cultures of the world. Um, and I think that this also is a really Im- much bigger key than people realize in that the fact that this festival exists, the fact that there are these people in the Fire Nation who are just living here, and, and mm-hmm. this is not, these are not soldiers, this is not an army, this is just people living their lives, comes back to become a major problem 
later on after the war is over. And what do you do with all of these people? Do you send them home? Do you remove them from where they've been living for 50, 60, 70 years? Or do you, you know, what do you do with them? And, it, and while we're not, we're not seeing that question come up yet, it's something that is important to note as we go forward and as this series ends and we move into, uh, you know, the, the aftermath of like, how do you deal with it? And I think that's, um, that's a fantastic question that comes about from this. I also want to mention, I love the propaganda at the festival with the Fire Lord. Like, it's just, yes. yeah. it's like, it's not even that like, like out there. Like, like you, they could have just went full, like fledged, like non-subtle with it and just go extreme with it, but they didn't. It was just more of a subtle thing that like, real propaganda is like and I, I think that was a really nice touch too mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, I like that a lot um, and it, it helped it helps to show like how much this culture is uh, completely different and how much that the average person in the fire nation doesn't view the war as evil like it's yeah they, it's almost they're, like they're the right. fire lord is they're gonna cheer for the fire lord and that's mm-hmm. important because if like even the regular people in the fire nation were like against the war then it would just be oh a bunch of villains but it, it, it it's the one one of the few times we can see some bit of like the fire nation having some support character traits if you understand what that means mm-hmm. yeah yeah honestly because i feel like if the <clears throat> the citizens of the fire nation we're in a position if they were opposing war then they can't have a, a successful nation because you would have you know protests and just mass mm-hmm. um gathering of citizens going against what the king wants and that's you know that's how a nation falls so i think it's really important mm-hmm. to see in this episode that at least the the citizens of the fire nation support their king and the decision that he has made including the war Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I like the parallels that you can draw with, with the dragon show um, to the eventual climax of the episode where you see this guy who's firebending and it, and it looks great and it looks really powerful, but in reality it's, it's just a show. There's really mm-hmm. no danger. But Aang is like suddenly really worried about Katara and feels the need to jump on stage and essentially like kind of risk his life because if he gets caught, I mean, I know it's Aang and, you know, he doesn't really think like that, but, you know, mm-hmm. there is something to that. <laughs> and then you. later on, Aang is going to sort of want to... He, he actually says, let me see if I can do the trick that that, that that guy did, and then he ends up hurting Katara. And it's kind of like an interesting, um, it, it, a nice little parallel there uh, between those two moments. Mm-hmm. I think um, that was also a moment that we saw that we all want Aang to be, you know, oh, he's the Avatar, he's supposed to save the world and all that stuff. But then a moment like this um, definitely brings us back to reality where we know that he's like 10 and he's still a kid and there are still things that he has to learn like self-control and he needs to um have like goal in mind and make sure that he doesn't do anything rash that would uh, possibly mm-hmm. harm anyone around him so i think that was like yeah kind of like think before he does right exactly so mm-hmm. yeah this is a moment where we could kind of reflect and be like oh yeah he's still a kid he has things to learn so i think it was a very yeah. important scene he was being a dick, but it was a good scene. <laughs> um, so we get a nice little chase scene uh, with the bombs. I, I liked it. Um, I mean, I don't think it was anything like special, but it was it was nice. It it, it 
worked with Appa. Um, and ending on the fireworks show was kind of a fun a fun way to end. Um, and also sort of reminded you that again we're at a festival mm-hmm. and for almost every like almost everyone at this thing they have no understand like no idea that Ang was there and the Avatar was there. That for them it's just a festival. Mm-hmm. Um, it could have been a much much bigger deal there. Um, and then they get so they get over to Zhang Zhang's camp and um, I have to say so- I have to just tell I have to, public service not for Sokka uh, Sokka I listen to you don't yeah. worry I know I know no one else does but I I listen to you I mean yeah you're right that Sokka definitely has his moments throughout the series I mean a lot of the times he's you know people view him as like this loopy side character that doesn't mm-hmm. really you know contribute much to the group but because you know a lot of people are like, oh, he doesn't have bending. You know, he's not as important as other characters. But I disagree with that because he definitely has his moments where he shines and he definitely contributes to the group for the protection and the well-being of the group. And because they're also his friends, he cares a lot about them. So Sokka... You're going to fit in. You're going to fit in here, Yoon. <laughs> yeah. One of us. One of <laughs> us. Chanting. Yeah. Um... So a small detail that I also want to talk about um, is the when you have the guard captain reporting to Zhao um, about how the Avatar slips away, and then he kind of slips into talking about how you know theft was way down, there weren't any fights, and I, I really, really like this moment, um, and it, it goes back to similar to what we saw with the blue, in the Blue Spirit episode when the sort of random Fire Nation soldiers were, were uh, sitting there and they eventually saw Aang. And I think it's important because it helps to, to bring the differences between the Fire Nation High Command and the sort of lower-ranked everyday people and how the Avatar is not a... It's not something that everyone in the Fire Nation is thinking about. It's not something that everyone everyone is solely focused on the Avatar. Zhao is obsessed with the Avatar and you can tell, you know, you could expect that, you know, eventually we know the Fire Lord is when he sends um, Azula after him, after Aang, but... It's not like this thing that the entire army is is uniformly trying to go after um, the Avatar. And even in this case, the entire army isn't even trying to go after and, and, and win the war. This is just people who are living their lives and trying to make sure that this festival works. And mm-hmm. I think it's it's another, continuing about what we talked about with, the, with just the festival itself, it's another nice moment of reminder that the Fire Nation is comprised of real people and not... It's not just Zhao, Zuko, and the Fire Lord. It's it's more than that, and I think that's that because at times I think the Fire Nation can get a little bit. It feels like the Fire Nation can be reduced to like Azula, Ozai, and that's really it. Like that's the Fire Nation because mm-hmm. we th- it's e- it's much easier to think of uh, fighting a person as opposed to an entire nation. But this is a little bit of like no, there's some people here. This is this is <clears throat> real, right. I agree with you on that. Because sometimes, um, I guess if you're in a situation where you were being chased by a certain nation, you have that fear installed in you where you're like, oh, <clears throat> all they want is hurt us, all they want is wages war. But then deep down when you you know go visit their nation and stuff and see what's really going on within the borders, they're like people who live you know regular lives and... You guys don't really have much indifference except maybe the culture, the festivity, uh, f- 
festivals that you might celebrate or the holidays. So yeah, I think it was very important to just kind of see that they're the all illusion people. of separation. Right. They're not all bad people. They're, mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So a question I want to throw around the room here is obviously we know with hindsight in the episode, we know that Zhang Zhang is right to say Ang isn't ready. Mm-hmm. But I want to say sort of taking away the, the, the th- thoughts from Aunt Wu part of this where we, we know the future. In this moment, before Zhang Zhang knows, is Zhang Zhang right or is the fact that the world is months away from essentially ending a priority here? Like, wh- how do you feel about Zhang Zhang's initial trepidation about t- training Aang? Uh, we'll just, I guess, just, just go around the room so Lin's show can start off. I, because at first I thought like, oh, wow, like this cranky old man just like teach the avatar. But he makes an explanation specifically of water is flowing and earth is, um, like he made a whole explanation for it. And to really understand the, how alive and out of control fire is, you need to be able to control other elements as well. Almost like you need a, you need to do baby steps before you can get to fire which you know in thinking about i i really do agree with it because it is such a volatile element itself it and as we see it has a tendency to it can destroy everything around it and so really especially when i was re-watching this episode for this i definitely sided with jong jong i was like you know what like he's right you need to be able to have other learning experiences to help you with something more difficult and in this case learning a really dangerous bending style that can burn and kill everyone around you that that kind of validates that for me all right uh cory i i completely um agree with him especially with someone like ang where ang is an airbender and i i think he sees what potential Aang has if he isn't patient. And I think he knows that Aang is not patient for obvious reasons because in a few months the world's going to end. So with, like that's coupled with like Aang being like, what, what exactly what happened? When he made the flame in his hand, he was playing with it like it was air, not fire. And I think his, his hesitation to train Aang was completely validated. And um, I definitely think... Uh, this is probably the most like he's like such a good character just in general and I, I really like him as a trainer wait but we don't we don't know that he fails yet <laughs> no we no but he i think he's, 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 <laughs> he sees it like happening like that ang is just in a rush to learn this and he's not going to be patient with it uh all right uh charles um i'm of the I'm of the opposite opinion, mm-hmm. but not quite for the reasons that we outlined. Um, Zhang Zhang's impression of fire is, I would argue, the most negative we've seen in the series so far. Yeah. He's like so against it, and even though he's a master at the art, he wishes he was a waterbender. So... I, I think some of his personal distaste, and yeah, maybe he's maybe he's right that Aang isn't ready, but that doesn't mean you don't try. Mm-hmm. 
it's like, how would you know if someone isn't ready without at least attempting to check? It's just like saying, you know, it's just like parents telling their 16-year-old kids, oh, no, you, you can't drive. Mm-hmm. But then they'll never drive, so they'll never be It's like self-fulfilling. Um, that being said, this is more personality than skill, so I get that. Mm-hmm. And But then what reason what expectation do you have that someone would change that character trait in them within a year right we know that it's a year away so or less than a year I don't know um so I I disagree with the decision but more on the uh he's a little bit too negative towards fire and there was no reason not to at least attempt anyway which I guess is what ends up happening but still alright Yoon Okay, um, <clears throat> so, re- I want you guys to remind me what was Zhang Zhang's, um, position before he became a deserter, because it's been a... He, he was a general. So, yeah. Or wait, was he an admiral? Well, okay, so, <laughs> I think, I think we could all agree Sorry. that he was I, ha- a- I had to do that, it was yeah. too easy. So, we could all agree that he was a high position official in the military mm-hmm. for the Fire Nation, so, I like that you basically answered with what Sokka said. <laughs> <laughs> right? We get it. He was very highly right. I mean, it wasn't intentional. But we get yeah. it. He's highly right. <laughs> so um, I agree with what everyone has said before. Um, basically, he was a high, you know, high-ranking official in the in the Fire Nation military, and he's probably, you know, to say to say it to put it simple, he's probably seen some shit throughout the years. <laughs> Which causes him to have a very negative, you know, attitude towards firebending because, you know, he's been through a lot and fire being the most destructive element out of all four. um, He's probably been through a lot, which is why he probably, you know, deserted the Fire Nation and decided to kind of be on his own. Um, And I think it was that mixed with Aang's, um, I guess, roughly put it, immaturity kind of caused him to be um, reluctant to teach him how to firebend because as we all said before in about a year the world is going to end so given given I understand Zhang Zhang's point of view that he doesn't want to teach this kid who's very immature who doesn't quite understand the full responsibility that he was given um, upon his role in the world but given the time frame that the world is going to that the world needs him to stop this war and to save everything given the time frame um i don't think he really had much of a choice except to kind of introduce it to ang because we all have this fascination um i don't know what well okay let me stand corrected i don't know about everyone but i <laughs> i love playing with fire when i was little which you know i set my room on yes, fire yes yoon a, we know <laughs> yes i set my room on fire because i want to be a firefighter but that's a that's a, that's a story for another day um <laughs> But I loved playing with fire when I was little. And seeing how Aang is still a kid and as, he, you know, the fascination of this thing that lights up and it's really hot and burnt and burnt and destroyed sort of thing is really fascinating. So him having the idea that maybe he could control this destructive element kind of, you know, hypes him up and maybe he um, becomes what should I say, impatient, causes him Mm -hmm. to do um, reckless things, which is what Zhang Zhang was worried about. 
but as going back, given the time frame, he needs he needs someone to show him, and Zhang Zhang being the master of the element um, was the right person to show it. So I'm kind of in the middle about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's like I agree with Zhang Zhang, but given the time frame, like Zhang Zhang had to show him something. That's where I stand. I don't know if anything I meant like said made any sense to be honest no i i, I get what you're saying mm-hmm. um yeah i i lean towards more or less what charles said i think that i don't think it's as much that ang isn't ready so much as zhang zhang is not the right person to teach him um because at the end of the day ang needs to learn firebending he needs to learn it very soon and i mean on something that you said Lindsay, like uh, the idea of, well, he needs to learn water and earth first. I mean, not really. Roku learned mm-hmm. firebending first and then the other elements. And yeah, that's obviously his element. But like, I, I'm not entirely convinced of the... I, I think that while uh, Zhang Zhang has a point and there is like something to the added danger of firebending because you can firebend in anywhere and you can make your own fire and, and, and it, it adds a level of extra level of destruction. It's not like you couldn't really hurt someone accidentally by earthbending yeah. wrong. Like when, when, when Zhang Zhang said without the bender, a rock won't throw itself without the bender, a fire won't start. Like, no, but I disagree it, there because fire can spread out of your control. Like if you like, Misbend, earthbending—that's that. But fire it spreads, and it can, you know it's a chain reaction. I so what is an earthquake? I would that was what I was gonna say, but I no I well I was gonna say that I do agree, understand what you're saying, Corey. And yes, I get the the lack of stability, the unstable nature of firebending. That you don't you don't you don't have to try to hurt someone, but you accidentally you know. You know, it's so use easy a to fire happen. and it, it, it blows wait, up in your face. Wait a second, we, we just saw this happen with water bending like a few episodes ago where Katara fucking whips Sokka randomly because she fucks up. But that that's the I just think that they're like when you're comparing magical fighting powers, I feel like <laughs> I don't think it's as clear cut. Like, I understand what they're saying, and I and I completely understand Zhang Zhang saying it because he, as we've said, is like live this life and he's tormented by fire and and this the world has been tormented by fire for 100 years we've been in a war for for all this time i just i'm not as i i don't think it's clear cut i i think this episode wants it to be be clear cut it wants it to be ang was not ready he tried too fast he's too eager and we'll Mm -hmm. talk about ang's eagerness in a little bit but i i think that i actually look at it a little bit more complicated and i think they do a reasonable job at that i think that when roku shows up it 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 works and that and that does um that does well um i'm just i'm not as i'm not as a hundred percent as i think i was at one point um like now looking at the show and understanding the sort of practicality of at a certain point i just kind of needs to learn firebending Mm mm-hmm um, so just to transition, cause, cause I kind of mentioned it. I, what I think is the, I think there are two true crowning achievements of this episode. Um, and the first one is right here. Um, when Zhang Zhang sort of, you know, blows up at Ang and, you know, and, and we get the line of you're not ready, you are too weak. And it's this, it, this scene is so perfectly done 
and we can see the you know the the old master and Aang is is kind of begging and and he has no power and Zhang Zhan's completely in there and then immediately it switches when we switch over to the Roku side where now uh, Zhang Zhang is the one on his knees Roku is the one in power Roku is the one dictating this is how it needs to be this is how the world you know Zhang Zhang's kind of saying like this is what the world is like. You don't. You haven't lived long enough to understand what the world is like. You're just a child. And then Roku kind of steps up and is like, you're not the Avatar. You can't understand what um, what is important here. And it, I, I just think that the way this scene is done is so fantastic. And, and, and I really can't, I can't get over it. it it's just great. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about Roku. Corey, I'm sure you have something to say. Um, <laughs> no, not today. Oh, um, what? <laughs> you, you feeling okay, buddy? <laughs> Something's wrong. Um, what was in that food you were eating before this? The earth is out of alignment. It's funny because I actually have a lot more to say about uh, Zhang Zhang than I do about Roku this episode. <laughs> I just, well, no, I'm not just, I'm not saying about Roku in particular. I'm just saying this scene. Like, do you agree with me that this scene is yes, well done? Yes, absolutely. Okay. All right, that's um, the one thing I could say about that scene is that Roku is kind of the one that shows up and says, well, you don't know what it's like. Like, you won't know because you don't know what it's like to be an Avatar. <clears throat> yep. Like, I believe that is something that, um, I don't know if it reappears throughout the season, but I feel it that way because, like, everyone just knows they're the master of one bending. Like, even no matter how hard you try, by the end of your life cycle, the maximum you could get is being the master of your element. Being the avatar who has to master all four elements, no one can really understand what that feels like, <clears throat> except if, if you are the avatar and all the past avatars that you get to talk to in the avatar state. So I think it's, um, I think it's important that it, the scene points out how hard it is to be an avatar because mm -hmm. nobody else in the world can understand yeah you know the, it's really the complexity mm -hmm. of being an avatar and how you have to kind of stay out of um what's the word i'm looking for like he like i don't think the avatar can be favor of one nation he just kind of has to be the peacemaker if things were to happen he's well, gonna have to they can it's just they're not supposed to right right um yeah now Speaking of Roku, though, another question I want to throw around is, does why doesn't Roku know that Aang isn't ready? Like, this isn't something that I'm, and I'm, I'm kind of curious about because is this actually Roku? Like, is is Roku showing up here? Is like Aang kind of going into the Avatar state for a moment and Roku shows up like we saw in um, Solstice, or is this just kind of Zhang Zhang's visions, um, or is this actually just a manifestation of Aang's inner emotions? Um, because I think they all lead to different circumstances here because if Roku is just sh is actually showing up and this is actually Roku then the way I see it is this has a lot more to do with Roku's own personal feelings of his failure because you know that he blames himself for the state of the world and not stopping the war and you could almost be like well is is Roku stepping in here not because he thinks Aang is ready but because he is ashamed of of what the state of the world and wants to to bring the world back into balance as quickly as possible or is this just Aang taking on what looks like another form 
because all avatars are kind of a part of him, but Aang's own inner emotions are like, I'm ready, I can do this, and, and Roku's a way for him to do that. Because I think those are two very different things. Hmm, you're right, yeah, those are two very different things. And honestly, I never thought of the uh, second option where it's actually um, just using the image of Roku to kind of save the frustration. Because I always saw it as, like, Roku himself showing up and, like, talking about how he is... Is it disappointed, do you think, is the right word? That the state of the world is in what it is? Or... I don't want to say he's ashamed, but yeah. Yeah, ashamed, I guess. I I think he's very proud. (laughs) Oh. Hey, I mean, his his best buddy conquered the world. This is what I dreamed of. 10 out of 10. Would recommend. His grandson is (laughs) sitting on the throne. Oh my god. Attacking his child. Scarring him for life. I think the way you presented the idea was very important. I know personally for me, I never thought of it that way. So that Mm kind of helps me see it in a different angle. Yeah. Yeah. I also want to comment what you said. I don't think Aang isn't ready. I think he could be primed and ready to learn firebending. I just think he rushed and he's impatient. If he took it at a, a slower, more methodical approach, he could have learned firebending this episode. I would say the exact opposite, though. I would think I think that the problem is the fact that Zhang Zhang is so restrained and so holding him back is what hurt him. I think that if Zhang Zhang had given him a slight taste of real firebending, um, things would have gone. But like very all the exercises they he did with Aang were to control his breathing, and obviously a, a, a big thing about firebending is in its breathing and all that. So I think that's like a muscle memory technique that Aang just needed to learn and like get out of his element of the, how he water, uh, sorry, air bends. So I think he needs to learn this just for like muscle memory. No, no, no. I, I know that. I'm saying though that I think that the the way way that he does it is problematic because there's, and I, to some degree, if you just want to make a comparison, like comparing his teaching style to Iroh's that we see with Zuko, there is a difference. Like, even though Iroh is saying the same thing about, you know, breath, proper breath technique and power and firebending coming from the breath, there is a, it does seem like there's a difference in their teaching style. And I think a different teaching style, same lesson, but different, you know, different teacher would have helped. Sure. I, I could agree with that. I mean, invoking on Wu powers here, there yeah. was no way this was going to. There is no way he was going to be successful here. Oh yeah, obviously. It's literally impossible. Yeah. Um, for a lot of reasons, but mostly because dragon fire bending is only real fire bending. So, hmm. you no. Know. Yes. Um. All right. So to close all this out, uh, and I hinted at this earlier, how do you guys feel about Ang's general over eagerness? Do you think it fits with his character? Yes. His over eagerness right, towards what do you think? Let me or let me refer that his eagerness towards when he says things like "I want to know how to shoot fire out of my fingertips." How does that? Fe- how do you feel about pacifist, airbending Ang? I saying mm, that I I don't know if he means it in a destructive way. I think he's just excited to know the boundaries of his abilities and being able to learn new things. Is how I see it. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I thought it was the... kind of out of character. Yeah. Um, because 
even with his own element, he tries to avoid being overly destructive. And, I mean, the whole moral of this, um, their lesson in this episode is that fire is inherently destructive. And we learn later that's not 100% true, but that's a lesson we get here. Um, so it is a little bit odd, especially since Zhang Zheng is like constantly reinforcing that, but Aang is eager anyway. Uh, I will say though, it's not like, oh, he, he's happy to be destructive. Mm -hmm. He's probably still keyed up from the, uh, the show at the festival. But it is a little bit not quite like what or I would have expected personally. I kind of didn't really see anything really out of character for him because for him is that excitement of wanting to do stuff. Like, even with Waterbender, he goes like, wow, yeah, I can't wait to learn. Let's do it, Katara. Yeah, let's go. Let's learn, learn. Like, you know, all that fun stuff. And Not... I mean, it's a lot more of him being, like, freaking out and Katara saying, I could show you some of the stuff I know and Kat and Aang's like, okay. Uh, I don't not, know. Something about him, I always this. get very, like, eager. Oh. And now he has the possibility to learn a new element and he's like yeah let's do it like he just he just he <clears throat> wants to go into it he, he is this eager regarding earth bending until he finds out he can't do it but i don't i don't know so much about the water bending side um the way i see it uh it's like although ang is a air bending monk it's like just because you are born in like into um not monkery. That's that is not the right word. Just because he's born into the lifestyle, <laughs> the monk lifestyle. Yes, exactly. Just because he was born into <laughs> a monk lifestyle, he's not going to be automatically, you know, peaceful and pacifist and loving nature. That's something that he has. But to, he is. Yeah. That, he he, like, he is an airbender through and through in pretty much every other moment. Right. But I feel like because he only experienced that kind of lifestyle for 10 years of his life. I mean, sure, that was his entire life. 12. 12. Sorry. 12. So, yeah, so he's only been exposed to that kind of lifestyle for 12 years. And, of course, he still has lots to, a lot of things to learn about, you know, airbending and the life of a, a monk because of he, he's still a child at the end of the day, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Even though he was born to lifestyle of a monk, He's still a child in the end. He's still very curious about the world and um, especially learning new things. He gets very excited. So it's like, yes, it was out of character for him as a air nomad monk. But I think it was in character as him being a curious kid that he is. I I, I agree with most of that. I just, I, I mean, obviously, I, I mean, I say this like every week, but like when you when you get down to it, when you have a character whose entire character can be summed up in the tension between being the Avatar and being an airbender. And after this episode, we see that completely with Aang's total detesting of fire. And until, you know, uh, the the guru, he like he doesn't even face what happened in this episode for, a, you know, a season, you know, for a full season. And, like... I, I, it's not terrible, and I understand the sort of curiosity of Aang, and Aang can be someone who can, who, who is excited. But I agree with Charles, where it just it, there is a little bit of me that's like, eh. Aang's not exactly like this terribly impatient, you know, can't, you know, I, I don't know. 
It's it's just it's it's just a little bit. I think it's just a, a touch out of character for him. Yeah. I mean, to me, Aang's like he wants to jump into stuff, but then he also clearly knows there are situations where he has to be, you know, calm and focused. There's no way he got that good at airbending without, you know, some restraint being part of his character. Um, and we see that later on in the series, although you could say he matures. Um, so I guess they forced his, like, over-eagerness a little bit. Like, it's a fine line, right? Because we know Aang is really energetic and eager as a person, but then parts of this are like, too much? I don't know. Yeah, it just it just the fact that he seems so eager... Um, you know, when, he, when they're walking up the mountain, he says, oh, are we going up here so I won't burn anything with my fire blasts? Like... I feel like Aang would be the type of, like, I don't want to burn anything with my fire blasts. I mean, we saw in the spirit world, like, how just devastated he was at a burnt forest. That is true. I could agree with that. I don't know. I, I don't think it's, like, damning. I, I think this episode's, like, I don't think it's hurts episode all that much. It's just, it is a little bit of something to think about. Um, that said, speaking of really out of character things, when Aang is, you know, first told to concentrate on the sun and Katara and Sokka start laughing, I am, I have no, no understanding of why Katara would be laughing in this situation. Like, that is so out of character for her. And like, you know, Katara, like Katara is not far removed from really struggling with waterbending. And it wasn't like Aang was making fun of her during that. Like Aang was trying to be very supportive and she kind of treated him pretty terribly in that moment like i i just that doesn't make sense like Sokka, yeah Sokka would be laughing that's his character he would find this funny i just i don't see katara finding this funny how how old is katara i mean she is definitely 14 she's 14 so she's definitely the most mature one of the group um kind <laughs> of i mean she does have moments where she expresses how childish she is but I guess maybe it's not it's not really um, it doesn't count now but later on she kind of has like this mother like characteristic where she kind of no it counts now she's she's (laughs) it's not it's not even a childish thing like I don't it's not me like oh Katara was immature it's just like Katara's not the type of person to to like laugh at that like Katara's much more of the type I feel like to be supportive and be like ah you need to listen to your teacher and you know, if this is what he's telling you to do. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, you brought up how shitty she was last time when uh, they were learning water bending together. And mm-hmm. Maybe this is some. Uh, maybe she's holding a like grudge. Like a individual grudge. Yeah, she's <laughs> holding a a grudge, and now is like, haha, I might be bad at water bending, but you have a shitty teacher at fire. I, I, I just yeah. She's uh-huh. very not guitar. not a prodigy at everything. Uh, I kinda, it's not like she's yeah. like this in the earth when, when Aang fucks up at earthbending. And that's a, yeah, like well, much that more was, actively funny was, when he just like literally can't do it. Yeah, well, that was that was a long time later. After she came into her own with waterbending and no longer is a reason to make fun of Aang. I kind um, of uh, just... Because for the... I'm not going to lie. I didn't think anything of it until you brought it up. <laughs> but... I think it's just one of those moments where you look at your friend and they're doing something a bit silly that they shouldn't be doing and you just kind of laugh at it. I 
it, it happened. <laughs> I, it, it happens. And for Sokka, completely agreement. Sokka would be laughing here. I just, I, I don't know. There, there's something about Katara laughing here that I just think it, it, it feels out of place and I don't understand it. Hmm. I mean, well, I do, I do see your point of view of why you think that way. It's, and it's, you're right, because it is very um, out of character for Katara to be laughing at him. But then honestly, like Lindsay said, I, I didn't really think weird about it at the time until you pointed it out just now. I'm going to have to rewatch well, that. Welcome, welcome to this podcast. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's where we open. Obscure details by Mark that, you know. That opens and we're just knowing. like, what you talking about? <laughs> Um, all right. Obviously, the big major moment of this scene is is Burn. Ed, um, burning um, Katara here, and what's yeah the, the sort of first initial thing. It's interesting that now we had we've had two episodes in a row where there's something happens that causes a major rift between Ang and then Katara and Sokka, and I I just think that that's like kind of it's it's weird because obviously we kind of talked at the shortcomings of last week's where um the whole it felt very contrived and felt very yeah. felt very silly like this felt like a much much better um type of reaction way to do it like a much more real reason for these for there to be conflict between the group mm-hmm. actually i thought i thought there was a lot of overreacting like especially from uh Sokka. i think he got he went from zero to a hundred way too quickly Got triggered. But the thing about I, I agree with you, but the thing about that that I think it makes sense is the fact that remember, Sokka's mom was killed by a firebender like this, and Sokka has has is grown up his entire life seeing firebending as evil, the Fire Nation as the enemy. And through this entire episode he's been nervous about this whole, you know, Ang learning firebending, going into the Fire Nation, etc. etc. And I think that all, and then you have to add in the fact that he promised his father he would keep Katara safe, and like it's his sister, and there's a like there is a visceral reaction, and I think it is it is more, even worse because of the fact that it's firebending. I I, I actually like Sokka's reaction there a lot. Mm-hmm. I think it's a validated response too because he goes into protective mode, and that whole he then is saying to Aang too, like kind of showing him like. You had you just had to listen to what he was te- what what he was telling you to do, and you didn't do that. And now look what happened. Now you burn my sister. Like, wh- like what the fuck, man? Like you couldn't just like listen to directions. Yeah, shit just yeah, got that really was, serious. Yeah, that was how I kind of took <laughs> it. What'd you say? <laughs> shit just got really serious when Lindsay gets mad. It, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because Lindsay usually like <coughs> very easygoing, and it's like, mm-hmm. but then when Lindsay gets pissed, you're like, oh no, something, something is wrong. <laughs> it, here. It's it's it is it is quite terrifying. But it's validated in this point because Aang just was too busy having like fun and trying to be all flashy and everything, and then he ends up uh, burning his friend Katara, and yeah, <coughs> how's how's that working out for you, Aang? Not too good. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. really fucked well, I up. Mean, net positive is his friend manifested magic healing powers because she got burned. 
randomly. Well, yeah. I was happy for her for that, but yeah, it's like, Aang really uh, fucked Aang up. Also, <laughs> Aang also swears off firebending long enough to get literally the best possible teacher for the art. Yes! yes. Two dragons. <laughs> yeah! Best possible teacher! You really can't get any better than, than those, let's be honest. No, no you can't. Uh, they taught the gr second greatest fire, pure firebender that we've seen in the show. Yeah. Arguably uh -oh. the best, because we never see Ozai outside of the comments, so... You know, hard to say. Yeah, but I would rank Zula. I, I think Azula is number one. I row, I Yeah, wait. You would rank Azula above Iro? Yeah. Pure firebending skill, I would definitely. Including lightning, which is part of it. Yeah. Azula is definitely much strong. Azula's lightning is definitely much stronger than Iro's, and while Iro can redirect it, I. I, I mean, look, when I say Azula, obviously, once she goes crazy, that's a different story. But I think Azula at her peak, I think, is the strongest firebender we see. Hmm. All right. Okay. We'll discuss we'll, it later we'll, we'll on. We'll argue about that when we get to Azula. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I, I can respect that opinion, even if I disagree. Uh, well, actually, technically, fine. the strongest firebender we see is Roku, but that's another... I said pure firebender. Yeah, pure firebender. The yes. avatar. Yeah, so. yes. Um, uh, by that logic, you could say Sozin too. But, yeah. <laughs> but disregarding flashbacks. I I really like, though, as much as I, you know, Charles and I were sort of a little bit uneasy about uh, Aang's eagerness in this episode, I do think that it is in service of a great payoff because the seeing Aang just unbelievably devastated that he hurt another person and that person is his friend, and that friend is the girl he's in love with. Yeah, how's that just, working out for you, Aang? Not too good, huh? Such a, such a devastating moment for him. And the fact that the, the, the commitment to this, the fact that there were, it's going to be a full season until this gets resolved, and then on top of that, another half season before Aang even tries to firebend again, is just such a great... Um, so great here. that like it, I feel like a lesser show would bring this back like within an episode or two and be like ang you need to learn firebending and that would have been that and it's just you know ang says i'm never gonna firebend again never again and the fact that that like that continues for a very long time is i, I think is really great i think that's a well a really well put together moment um with with a lot of great forward momentum yep that was definitely a lot of forward momentum <laughs> In one episode. Um, so then, then they come out, and and what's interesting is is the fact that Sh Sokka not only blames Aang but also blames Zhang Zhang, and Zhang Zhang just goes, "I know, it's my fault." And I just think that's interesting. Like, it's you can see just how much Sokka is like so incredibly like like against firebending mm -hmm. and like he's just gonna blame anyone who has this ability and then Zhang Zhang who carries all this personal guilt in of itself like there's no fighting there's no like your friend was you know uh you know impatient yeah didn't listen to me it just I know it's my fault I taught him takes the like takes that blame it just you it, it shows just how far gone Zhang Zhang is and then once he starts talking to Katara. It's it, you know we get more of that that philosophy where you can see how he feels like he's cursed with fire 
um, and how how much it's hurt him. Right. I also think that his ranking in the in the military or his life in the military kind of determined that too, because I feel like a high official military um, official would not be so quick to throw blame at someone or the situation. He'll just be like, "I'll take responsibility. It's my fault." At least in an anime. Yeah. Well, I also think yeah. he just hates yeah. firebending. He, he, like, you're right. Once, like, he realized Katara healing herself, he's, like, jealous of Waterbender's ability to heal and not destroy. So he just, like, also mm-hmm. on the means of, like, oh, I have to teach more people this, like, destructive art. Like, he's just done with it already. He should He should meet Hama. He is so done. Like, <laughs> he should so done. You said he should be a llama? What would you say? No, he, I said he should meet Hama. Oh, that makes more sense. Is, and then he'll be less, like... <laughs> Let's into this whole. Oh wow! I hope I, I wish I was a waterbender. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe he just prefers to not be a bender at all. Mm, yeah. Be a normie. Just, just a regular. Zhang Zhang's got some uh, deep issues going on. Yeah. Um. And then we get um, the fact so. so Zhang Zhang meets up with Zhao and, and kind of we get at least one moment where you can see that Zhang Zhang is a very good firebender even if he's not going to fight like mm-hmm. the, the, the wall of fire he makes is pretty impressive so I'll, I'll give him that now um, that's how you make a grand exit right there yes surround yourself and, in flames and run do you think um, and also yeah do you think ahead. the Zhao like sub arc was like necessary this episode or could you have just told the same episode without that happening Yes, I would. I I would say that. Um, I and and I say that loving the fight. I love this fight between Zhao and Ang. I love I love Avatar fights where there's like actual strategy going on. I think that's always really interesting. And like it's such a great comedic fight where you know Ang's lines are, are genuinely funny and also have purpose because it, it it just continues to escalate Zhao's anger. But yes, I would agree with you that. This this section of the episode does not feel like the same episode as the whole thing. It, it feels like kind of a like an epilogue or, or a, a, a transition. See, Corey, we're just on the same page this whole day. Um, just to backtrack for a quick second, we'll finish up the fight. Um, I also I find the um, the, the the scene with Ang. Uh, when Katara goes to talk to him, just the having Ang just kind of encased in shadows, sitting in the same sort of posture as uh, Zhang Zhang was at the beginning, um, just you can tell the the pain that he has and how he just can't even look at Katara. He's just so wrapped up in his own uh, his own guilt, and I that I think was was phenomenally shot. And mm-hmm. I said before, like I think there are two great, like two truly great moments in the episode, and they're both like with Aang and someone sitting in its almost exact spot um, of, of, a, of a situation. And I think that, that just works, works unbelievably well. Yep. Um, I kind of gave my, my piece on the, the fight. Anything you guys want to add about the uh, fight between Zhao and Aang? It was, it was cool to watch uh, Clever Aang come out. You know, a kind of like taking back his uh the knowledge that he did gain from Zhang Zhang and be about that whole lack of control thing and then kind of turn the tables on uh Zhao. It was cool to watch that part. 
yes, and fight definitely. like a pure airbender. Yeah. Right, because throughout that fight, he didn't use <clears throat> any like violent or offensive um, bending. All he did was outsmart him, dodge around, and let mm-hmm. Zhao kind of do um, Aang's, I guess, dirty bidding and burn his own ships down. So I think that was a very clever way. That was very Aang way of handling situations. Mm-hmm. Good job, Aang. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Aang, you know what? We, I, Aang deserve. You did something useful, Aang. It's rare, but you did something useful. It's rare, but good job. You, you, you fucked up big time this episode, but you did something useful. Yeah, I feel like the way Aang is presented, he always does something that, like, hurts someone or something goes wrong. But in the end, Fuck he something comes up. Yeah, yeah, screw something up. But in the end, he comes around. He comes around and becomes a, a, a better of a person for it. And that's what I liked about Aang. Oh, Aang. Oh, Aang. Oh, Aang. Oh, stop that. Oh, no. I'm going to water slap you in the mouth. <laughs> um, all right. So just before we finish up, the one last little bit. Like last week, do you think that there's a little bit of a lack of apologies and like Sokka seems to just like forgive Aang kind of I guess as Corey and I would say, very Diggle-like. <laughs> I was just going to say that, yeah. <laughs> uh, like, I feel, I got another, I got another like, like, breath of that. Like, Aang, like he, like, pins Aang on the ground and is, like, visibly upset. And then, oh, K- Katara's okay. I guess no harm, no foul? Like, I don't know. I felt like there should have been more anger there. Just as last week, there should have been more anger. I don't know. Saka, you need to, like... I'm not saying you should hold a grudge, but... Hold a bit more of a grudge. <laughs> yeah. Just, like, another couple hours worth of a grudge, at least. Not ten minutes. Oh, we, are we talk about Aang not um, being repentant of what he did to Katara? No, no, no. The, the opposite, that Aang and... Uh, Katara and Sokka. I mean, not so much Katara, because I, I, I don't think Katara would be all that upset, especially once she's healed, but that Sokka's not a little bit more upset. Oh. Hmm. Yeah, I guess he should have yeah. been more... Because we saw him get really upset already, and right. then just kind yeah. of at the end, they're just like, okay, let's go. Like, there's yeah. no even, like, questioning glances or anything, like, uh, right. I don't know about those. Yeah, knowing Sokka, yeah, well, he would have been... Happy that his dear sister was okay, but I feel like mm-hmm. he would have been more like, okay, I'm still keeping a close eye on you because you messed up and hurt my sister. So I think he would just kind of. Or some kind of words like that, or something like yeah. even, like, don't do this again. Like, if someone tells maybe. you something, <laughs> like, maybe put that more into consideration. Like, right. think before you act. Yeah, some, like, you know, stern talking, like, it's okay that things turned out well this time, but you just, again, and consider yourself out of the squad or something. <laughs> the squad. The squad. No more squad. <laughs> the Avatar yeah, squad. The squad. The squad. I like that. Yeah. 
All right. So with that, we will start to wrap up and do our final thoughts and our rating. Uh, because we have a guest here, I will go through the uh, rating scale just one more time. Or not one more time, because I'll do it many more times, but once again. Um, so a 5 in our rating scale between 0 and 10. A 5 is average. 0 is dreadful. 10 is phenomenal. So you can kind of use that to um, gauge things. And we're rating against all of television, not just Avatar. Um, so... Just because this episode, just because an episode might be a good episode or a bad episode of Avatar, doesn't mean that it's, um, you know, it's against all of television. So, um, it's just an important note. So, um, Corey, why don't you try and give us your final thoughts if you can hear us? Um, I love this episode so much. I love the culture behind it with the Fire Nation. I love watching how to train just like a firebender like i i i agree with you guys a lot he was like a very skittish to training but you still got some of the basic techniques like breathing and just <coughs> pure meditation and just being calm and collected and just channeling your energy in the correct way i love the festival in the beginning um i thought the ending was kind of you know just forced just to show like a nice action scene and help take away from how heavy it was with Aang burning Katara, but that didn't hurt the episode. Um, overall, I think this is one of my favorite episodes of book one. I think it's a 9.2. Okay. Uh, Lindsay? Um, so kind of going off of that, um, like I mentioned earlier, I really like the uh, cultural aspect, especially of the festival. It shows like, a different side from the Fire Nation than we, again, normally see. And it's also a good... I, good use of really introducing what firebending really is because at this point we already know about the dynamics of earthbending like the free flow type of spirit to it and um we also then are familiar with waterbending so to really find out more about firebending itself and the dynamic of it was really interesting um definitely a lot of really good moments especially with um the kind of like the aftermath and effects of what Aang ends up doing. And I honestly really like uh, the appearance of Zhao, which is ironic because I hate him. But um, I think it like, ended up tying together pretty nicely. So I think I'm going to have to give this episode a 9.1. Okay. Charles? Yeah. Uh, I don't really have any like distinct comments um from everybody else just that i really do appreciate how well they set up uh jong jong as a character this episode um just in terms of how he acts how repentant he is like clearly the animation's great as well not always but it's back to form this this episode um cultural stuff is great and the Portions where, like, as Aang is learning his lesson and as the episodes are wrapping up, were really fantastic to me because it shows not only is he repentant, he's also been able to take something, like, actually take something away from this, not just I won't do this, you know, try this anymore. Um, all no, compared to everything, I think I'd give this episode a 9.3. Nine point three. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, Yoon. Um, 
let's see. Well, I definitely like the introduction of Zhang Zhang in this episode. I think it was very well done, like um, it was previously stated. Um, I also liked the the point of view of everything that's going on from the Fire Nation's point of view. Because, <clears throat> as mentioned before, uh, we've always seen Fire Nation as a whole being like these wa- warmongering people that like wants to take over the world and like be the over ruler. But then you actually go um, across the border and you see people, you know, living their normal lives, being in town, being vendors and um, just selling things and buying things and living their not- lives as normal people so that you finally find out that Fire Nation isn't all about like destruction and Azula and all the destruction <laughs> I said um, also I really liked how we saw um, Aang go through this process of oh being really excited and um, being careless hurting his friend um, repenting for it or kind of looking back to it and then seeing his old wittiness at the end of the episode when he's fighting Zhao. So I think that was really good to look um, in development of Aang as well. Uh, yeah, so I really like the episode, um, but I'm more of like a action person and it didn't really have me on the edge of the seat the entire time. So I think I'm going to give it a 7.7. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think this episode, it definitely has uh, two like absolutely phenomenal moments. I think this episode has great forward momentum and it does some really good things. Um, I'm a little bit less... Um, I do have a little bit of an issue with Aang um, in this episode and I agree with what Corey had said about the ending feeling a little bit out of place and a little bit like well, we just want to have something to wrap this up and, well, we'll just put Zhao in because Zhao is Zhang Zhang student. But it doesn't feel very... doesn't feel all that similar to the rest of the episode. Um, and so with all that said, I, I still think the episode is great. So I'm going to give this episode an 8.8 out of 10. Um, so I think we're back on track after last week's um, what was a little <laughs> bit of a downer. Um, I'm just going to... But overall... Can I just say one thing? Yep. Go ahead. My, my biggest disappointment, and I'm going to mention this whenever any of them show up, is that I, I, I want the White Lotus now. I just want them. <laughs> mm. Everyone I, wants I, the White I Lotus. I want my Avatar Illuminati like, all together. I want like all their secret meetings that they have. So to see any one of them, I'm just like, yes. Mm-hmm. And that's like my biggest disappointment, that we don't get any more yeah. Zhang Zhang for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he will be back. We will see him again. In the Avatar Illuminati. Mm -hmm. I love that Avatar Illuminati. Yeah, White Lotus, Avatar Illuminati. (laughs) White Lotus confirmed. Yes. (laughs) Clearly they, um... Clearly they set up this entire hundred year war scenario, too. But of Mm -hmm. course. (laughs) Yep. Alright, so I want to thank you guys for tuning in. I want to thank my panel and our special guest, Yoon, today for being on the show. Um, I'm glad you guys could listen. And as for always, you can leave us comments in SoundCloud, in iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts, as well as follow us on social media. Thoughts, um, it's Antwu underscore pod is our Twitter handle. Um, And if you guys leave comments or tweet at us, we will 
uh, talk about them on the show, um, and that'll be good. We're coming up towards the end of book one. We only have four episodes left, and two of those are the finale. So, um, thank you guys for for tuning in this long. We're getting getting close to book two, uh, which I think is really great. All right, so with that, we're out. Thank you guys again. Thank you for having me here. It was really a great opportunity, I think, to share my opinion with people who share the same enthusiasm for Avatar The Last Airbender. Woo! Glad, glad you could make it, and, and we'll definitely try and have you on again uh, in book oh, two. Sounds great. Thanks for coming, Yoon. Oh, thank you it for having fun. me. It was fun. All right. I'll see everyone next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.